Thrive Church and happy Independence Day. I hope that you had a great day yesterday and uh, that you saw a bunch of fireworks and you ate plenty of you know hot dogs and hamburgers and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, good to have you here with us this Sunday morning and uh, we're going to wrap up our series on identity. And if you'll remember, um, we've started with this notion that identity when we, uh, our particular identities really wrapped up in our beliefs and our values. You, you take those two things and, and that's uh, your average person's identity. But the problem is, is that most human beings have some faulty beliefs about themselves. Um, some things that are just not true. Lies that um, typically enter our consciousness when we're younger and over a period of time it begins to build and build and we just begin to feel less than, than what, we, what we truly are. And of course, spiritual warfare is about truth overcoming lies. So we're really dealing with this notion of belief and the, the types of things that go on in our heads. And that's kind of where the battleground is. And so we need to find those lies and we need to replace them with the truth. And, and over the last few weeks, we've talked about a couple of those. And one of the lies that we believe is that somehow we're not enough. We're not good enough or pretty enough or smart enough or talented enough or whatever. We're just not enough. And it's, it's an absolute lie. Because the, the truth is that God actually loves and accepts each one of us exactly where we are. And of, of course, a um, phrase around here is uh, this idea of as it come as you are, but don't stay that way. And, and God's got you know, things that he wants to work on so that we can be more of who we are meant to be in him. And uh, that's called growth and maturity and sanctification and discipleship and, and all of that. But it starts with the fundamental belief that you are loved and accepted right where you are. God does indeed love you. And then the second lie is that somehow we might lose that love and acceptance. That we might mess things up so badly that we wonder, does God still care? Does God still hear us? Does God actually love us? And that's just another lie from the pit. And it's not true because you are secure in his love. And even when you mess up, grace and mercy still are available to you because you, you get it when you need it. And God's got an endless supply of that type of love and grace and mercy. Grace is never just one and done. It is something that is available. Now it's you know not something we want to you know continue on sinning and 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 causing problems for ourselves. But the point is is that when you when you make the mistake, when you when you when you choose something that's unhealthy for you, and you know it's not God's best for you, uh, the fact of the matter is when you go and ask for that forgiveness, there is still mercy. There is still. And we have one more truth that we need to deal with. One more thing that we, we should cover before we close the series out. And uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about my own story. So uh, some of you know, years ago, I worked as a remodeling contractor. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I did you know things like custom closets and drywall and some carpentry work and, and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, it helped pay the bills and kept me in book money while I was in seminary and, and I really enjoyed it. But one of the, the aspects of that kind of work that I really liked was the fact that at the end of the day, I could actually look and touch 
and, and see what I had actually accomplished during the day. Uh, if it was demolition, I'd have a pile of rubble that was hopefully in a trash bin at that point. And, um, you know, walls had come down and you could see the results. You could see um, the, the actual you know, fruit of the labor, so to speak. Or if you were building something, you, you got to see the, the, the finished product. And you can point to it and you can say, yes, I, di I did that during the day. Now, I have also worked in a cube farm. Uh, do you know what that is? Yeah, there are great big call centers, uh, either customer service and sales and sometimes logistics, and they're just one cubicle after another, and there's just row upon row. It looks like a farm. In fact, I worked in one that was as big as a football field. It was just row after row after row. And I've worked in, in those environments where the only thing that we had were spreadsheets and, and telephone logs, and, and I remember many times at the end of the day, wondering what it was that I, that I actually got accomplished during the day. And yeah, I know you get the checklists and you've got you know, the to-do lists and that sort of thing, but, but you still have this sneaking suspicion in the, in the back part of your brain that says, yeah, I'm not sure I really got as much done as I, I could have. But how do you know? You ever felt that way? It's, it's kind of this, this question that goes like this. What am I doing? It's like, what, what am I doing here? What have I actually accomplished during the day today? What do, what, what do I hope to achieve and how am I going to measure it? I mean, just what am I doing? It's a great question to ask. Dangerous question too. And what I've noticed over the years is that actually church and faith can feel like that. What am I doing? And church becomes routine, becomes, I love this word, perfunctory, just kind of mechanical. Like we're just going through the motions and we're doing the faith thing and we're doing the, and it just sounds like it, but, but at the end of the, of, of, of the day, when your head hits the pillow, you're like, okay, what am I doing? And maybe you even might ask God, God, what are we doing? What, what's happening here? I just, you don't feel like there's any growth. You don't feel like there's any movement. You don't feel like there's any, any power. There's, there's even your prayers that seem to be bouncing off the ceilings. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, me too. We're going through the motion. Nothing seems like it's, it's happening. And then, and then the doubt begins to creep in. Like... Maybe God isn't interested in me. Or, or maybe he's more interested in somebody else. Have you played the comparison game? I think we all do. And it reinforces some of those old lies that somehow we're useless. That somehow we're not quite enough um, for God to take the time and, and, and to be with us and to, to actually accomplish something, you know, kingdom-oriented. And so what, what do we have to do? We have to go back and deal with spiritual warfare of truth overcoming lies. And of course, we use the Bible as the primary source of truth. Now, of course, God can speak to you, uh, you know, through his word, but he might speak to you, you know, impressions or thoughts in your head or through the, the words or actions of someone else. Sometimes it's an audible voice. And for at least one person in history, it was a burning bush. So God does speak to us. It's just, are we 
listening. And so we have to go back to the primary place. The easiest place to look is, is, is the Bible, the Word. And so I want to go through this again and find those, that lie that we're not somehow enough, that lie that we're not accomplishing something, that lie that somehow we're useless in the kingdom. And we need to replace that with some truth. So we're going to look at a couple of passages today that I hope um, will help to do that. So the first place we're going to look is in John chapter 15, and here's the verse. Jesus says to his disciples um, right before he's arrested and then taken and crucified, he says this to them, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now, think about this. Um, it feels like we've forgotten this in the church. But God wants, I think he expects, fruit from his people. And, and so what is that fruit? Well, <clears throat> you know, we need to know like the love, joy, peace, patience, and, and that sort of thing. Yes, there are certain characteristics that that we will have in our lives if we're following, we're listening, and we're responding to what God says. That's part of the fruit. But also, it means that there's growth in our own lives and that there are other people coming to faith. So fruit has some big implications. He expects some fruit, that there are changes in your life because you're listening and responding that you're actually growing and maturing and becoming holy because of, of, of that listening and because of that responding and that you are helping others learn how to listen and respond. So there's fruit. You're not useless because God expects fruit and he has chosen you and he, he has appointed you to that task. Now, it's going to look different from person to person. That's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll see a little bit more of that here in a moment. Well, if you don't believe John, then let's find out what Paul has to say. So Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read the whole, uh, a bigger section, uh, but you can see this. I'm going to start in uh, chapter 2, verse 6. It says, And God raised us up with Christ when Jesus was resurrected, we were raised up too and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not uh, from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And here's verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For we are God's handiwork. For we are God's, my favorite, artwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So think about what this is saying here. God sent Jesus for a much bigger picture. One, so that he can show off his work in our lives, but also that um, we are created for something more. 
we're created to actually do good works. Don't miss the fact that he has prepared those things in advance. You are supposed to bring hope and joy to uh, whatever set of circumstances you find yourself in. Why? Because you're bringing Christ with you. If you're listening and responding and, and you have the presence of, or you've been in the presence of God, you take the presence of God with you and that's hopeful and it's joyful. Uh, you're supposed to alleviate suffering. You know, as you know, the, the issue of, of racial inequality is very real in this country. And, and part of what we do is to show a different way where we see things like equality. And we bring that with us because that's the presence of God. He, he's very interested in the poor and the oppressed and, and those who have injustice. We're supposed to stand for those things. Now, obviously, every person is going to stand differently. Every person is going to engage with those differently. But the point is we alleviate the suffering that we can because we bring the presence of God with us. And the question that I keep asking myself, is it still good news? Do we still have good news for the world? And the answer is, of course we do. And so there are things that are prepared in advance for us to do, and we are created for that. Don't ever doubt for a moment that some of the circumstances you are facing were prepared in advance and you were created just for that moment and for that thing in time. And that is part of your destiny. It's part of the thing that shapes you. It's not necessarily going to define you, but it will shape you. And that is part of your journey. You are created for this, for this particular moment, for that particular task, for that difficulty, that challenge, whatever it happens to be. It's part of your destiny. Later on in Philippians, um, Paul writes this, I can do all this, all things, through him who gives me strength. I can do all things, uh, um, in Christ who gives me strength. It depends on your translation, but you, you, can, you can see how this works out. You can do these things. You were made for this, but you can do it because Christ strengthens you. And this is a great time to, to look back at the triangle, this, this discipleship triangle that we, we occasionally um, access because it's just so helpful. And I created kind of a new one. And here you can, you can see that you are on the far side there, and you gain strength through God so that you can do the job or the task that you've been, been asked to do. Your calling is the relationship between you and God. The anointing is what God gives you in order to do the assignment. So you can do um, all things through Christ who strengthens you. And I think this is an important thing to, to remember that you were created at some level for that particular task and you can do it because you're, you're strengthened because of the relationship you have with God. I, I hope that's helpful. I know when I started playing around with this, this triangle uh, a while back, um, this really struck me. You can do these things. So you're supposed to bear fruit. Um, you were created for that. You're not just appointed, but you were created for that and you are strengthened to do it. And so here's the big idea. This is the thing I want you to, to walk away from this message. In fact, if you get nothing else from the series, I think this is important. Here it is. You are significant. You are significant in the kingdom of God. 
You are part of the body of Christ and you have a function to play. Everybody does. Christ is the head, the rest of us are the body, and we each have a role to play in that body. And therefore, you are significant. There is no part of the body that isn't significant. Because we need all of those parts to function. The kingdom needs you. You. And whatever it is that you bring to the table. And there's this, there's this subtle lie. I've noticed this. There's this subtle lie that we, you know, we think that only gifted people um, serve God and serve the kingdom. Did you spot the lie? It's true in part for the simple reason that only the gifted do serve God. The, the real truth is everybody's gifted. Everybody has some type of gift that you bring to be part of the body. Don't miss that little lie that everybody else is gifted and maybe you're not. That's not true. The truth is you're gifted too. You were appointed, right? You were created for this and you are strengthened to do whatever that task is in front of you. And it might seem like an insurmountable challenge. And, and I get that, but this is what the truth says about you. And the moment that the accuser, the enemy comes along and tries to make you feel insignificant, you can say, no, I don't have to listen to that. Um, devil, if you, wanna, if you wanna take that up with someone, you need to take it up with Jesus because I have been appointed, I have been created, and I am strengthened because of that relationship. You are gifted. You see, brothers and sisters, you have a kingdom destiny. And uh, if you lean into Jesus and you, you really understand this idea that you're appointed to, to produce something and you know that your artwork and that you're created for this moment in time and for whatever the task is in front of you, it might be different for every single person, but ultimately you are strengthened through your relationship in Christ if you listen and you respond. We keep coming back to that idea because it is so fundamental to our identity. The, the real truth in all of this is that listening and responding is the way we connect. It's the way we hear the truth and we allow it to shape our identities. We have to listen and we have to respond. Now, um, maybe you need a little help with that. Maybe there's a, a part of you that's saying, okay, okay, there's some truth, but you know, how am I going to look up all those verses? Well, fortunately, um, if you need a little bit of truth, we have a resource available for you. And so uh, there's a, a link um, on the Facebook page. Uh, there's a link in the app, the Thrive Church app. And there's a, a link online. And I think you'll find it in the newsletter as well to a little PDF file um, where we list out all of the, the scripture passages um, that show you the truth that you are accepted, that you are secure, and you are significant in Christ. And those three things make up the truth, need to be part of those beliefs that form your identity. And so we'll have that uh, available to you. It should be available online right now. And I, I promise you, if you need that um, that resource, and you can't find it anywhere else, 
you email us at hello at thrivetulsa.com and we will get it to you, no problem. And one of the things that I would suggest that you, you might want to do is to take um, those truths, as we list them out for you, and you recite them. Every morning when you wake up or every night when you go to bed, just at least at one point during the day, you are reading over those truths so that you begin to believe the truth and not the lies that you've been believing for years and years and years. Spiritual warfare is always about truth overcoming lies. What lies have you believed? What's the truth that's in God's word? And watch how that begins to shape you into the, the kind of person that God wants you to be. Lord Jesus, I just pray that every person listening today would know that they have kingdom destiny upon them uh, because they are appointed to actually produce something of value, some type of fruit. Lord, that they are, are created to do good things, that you've, you've got, got them um, prepared to do in advance. I mean, you've, you've, you've created them for this particular moment in time or for this particular task. And, and Lord, that they can do it because you strengthen them. And I pray, Lord, that those who are facing those tasks today would lean into you a little bit harder and they would feel your strength flow into them so that they know and can have confidence to do this thing that you've assigned them to do. Whatever it happens to be, it's different for everybody. God, we're all part of the body. Help us to see our role in the bigger picture. And Lord, that that would, um, would fill us with the, the confidence because you love us, you've accepted us, we are secure in that. Even when we blow it, you still choose us. And ultimately, Lord, that we are significant, that there is, there is something for us to do and we are part of something bigger than just ourselves. God, shape us to be the kind of people that you want us to be. And that Thrive Church would then become the kind of church that you want us to be. And we thank you in advance for all you're going to do in Jesus' name, amen.